Well, we are embarking on another journey. The second journey of Paul and the mission trip. And uh, God just setting everything in order. You notice that? God always does that. And when we uh, look in Scripture, we uh, get to see another example of Him doing what He's going to do. And uh, of course, when they had the Jerusalem Council way back in chapter 15, we're going to be in 16 tonight, uh, at that Jerusalem Council, He had His hand in it there. And of course, grace, salvation. And uh, then as the second missionary journey started and progressed, He uh, puts the right personnel into the operation of this ministry. I mean, it's just sovereignly done, and um, God has His people and the right ones at the right time. And it doesn't mean that everything's going to go really smooth or the way that you would like it. And so we see that even Paul, the great man of God that he was, struggles sometimes what is God's will. Where is God leading us here? Have we ever had any problem with that? <laughs> Anyway, we uh, we get to see some real practical stuff here uh, on this uh, journey and in this section, but uh, it's it's all all about the sovereign Holy Spirit here as uh, as He leads, and so it's uh, just really interesting to see uh, how He works and how He's ordaining things. And we just want to follow Him. Let's pray. Father, thank You for this evening and thank You for people coming out on a cold night. Thank You that we have the warmth here and uh, electricity, lights. and uh, We have Your Word. We have Your Holy Spirit. Lord, we just uh, want to know a little bit more about how uh, You operate, who You are and what You're about. and uh, So that as we lead our own lives, that we would be looking for Your direction, Your guidance. And uh, just depending upon you, even when it seems like the lights are not on, you're still leading us into uh, to the light, always, as you are the light. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in chapter 16, the um, first section we'll take here is the first five verses. And it um, starts off in verse 1, Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra, and a disciple was there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. And he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him, and he took him, circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in number daily. First uh, one we'll uh, look at is the Sovereign Spirit leads us to the right workers. He gives the right workers and uh, whoever uh, you need um, as you're dealing in any kind of ministry and uh, serving Him. Uh, what's interesting is that you see Paul came also to Derby and to Lystra. Now, does that ring a bell? What happened at Lystra as far as Paul is concerned? That's where he was stoned. And on that trip, of course, he, he did go back into the city after he was left on, on the heap there, and then he came, and they stayed the night, and then they, they went further on in their journey. Well, here it is again. 
going back on the second journey, going to see some of these same people to strengthen them, and he's going to go back to the same place where uh, he was left for dead. I mean, that's a really courageous thing to do. And I'm not so sure if I would have done that. But um, it, but he's doing the right thing. But I, in my own thinking, would not want to go to some place that literally tried to kill me. And so he'd been stoned, he was dragged out of the city, thrown on the garbage heap as, as he was dead. Yeah, oh, he escaped that, right? Now, Barnabas, uh, Barnabas had been with him the first time, and this time Barnabas is not, because as we close chapter 15, they had a little bit of a disagreement. Matter of fact, it was a very sharp disagreement. And Barnabas is no longer with him. Uh, but you'll notice that God is going to go have him go back to the area where he had been stoned, and he's going to pick up a very valuable missionary, one that uh, we know we'll see quite often through the rest of the New Testament, and that's Timothy. Now, he's traveling also with Silas right now. But um, God graciously brings into Paul's life this young man, Timothy, and he's he's a like a, a faithful son to him, a son in the faith. Uh, Timothy has a mother by the name of Eunice and a grandmother by the name of Lois. Matter of fact, go to Second Timothy chapter one, verse five. That's right. For I am mindful of the sincere faith within you, which first dwelt in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am sure that it is in you as well. There he writes a pastoral letter, and uh, he talks about his mother and grandmother. And I think that's uh, rather fascinating because they had a lot to do with Timothy becoming a believer. And they taught the Jewish things to him as far as, uh, well, the Bible, the Old Testament. He had been taught that. And, of course, they became believers in Jesus Christ uh, when Paul had come through that, uh, that area. Now, Timothy's, Timothy's father, you'll uh, note that he, he's considered to be a Greek. Sounds like uh, really making a bad connotation to being a Greek there. But what that's saying is that uh, he didn't. He remained being a Gentile or outside the faith. He wasn't Jewish. wasn't a Christian. Eunice and Lois, of course. Um, had taught Timothy the Scriptures, so they knew that. They had taught it from the childhood. In 2 Timothy 3.15 it says that. So, uh, these women, and probably Timothy, had maybe um, gotten saved when Paul first came through. And you have to wonder, they probably saw him get off that trash heap and, and walk back into the city after they had uh, after he had been stoned. Um, Timothy probably could have been in his teens at that time. Um, maybe by the time Paul comes through, maybe he's late teens, early 20s. He's definitely established a, um, a good reputation, Timothy has. He had a good backbone there. I mean, good foundation of, um, of Scripture. 
And, of course, Paul's going to get the opportunity to, to teach this young man even more. And um, But I, I think Paul probably made quite the impression uh, upon Timothy. He doesn't say it in Scripture, but Paul getting stoned and then you know, coming back to almost like life, whatever, whatever, <laughs> however that happened. And you know that, you know, the word got around, so people knew about that. And I'm sure whenever they saw him as he came back through uh, the town there that uh, it made an impact on everybody. Now, it's interesting. The last time that Eunice and Lois saw Paul, it's at Lystra, he was stoned. And now it's like, Hey, I'd like to invite your son to go on a missionary journey with us. <laughs> Here's one who had been they tried to kill, you know, because of his faith, and now the son is uh, being asked to go. But I'm sure that probably was um, a thing that they were probably excited about. Um, in First Timothy 4:14, 4, there's a lot of places we go to about. Timothy, but we know he was ordained in that area. First Timothy four fourteen. Very reputable young man. Had a hunger for God and his word. Is uh, yeah, Paul is saying, do not neglect the spiritual gift within you which was bestowed on you through a prophetic utterance with the laying on of hands by the presbytery. So the uh, the elders had recognized him as being uh, a leader, uh, an elder, and uh, they recognized the spiritual gift that he had. And so... Um, Timothy was was known by so many of the people, and Paul's reminding him, you know, there as as he wrote this letter here to Timothy later on, and that was in verse fourteen of First Timothy four fourteen, and that probably would have been very early on, maybe uh, probably at this time when Paul is coming through as he's going on a missionary journey, that there was actually a this ordination of Timothy in, into the ministry because everybody had recognized him. So, what a young man to be able to, to pick up on this journey and, uh, of course, other journeys and other things to do. Timothy is really committed to going with him. And um, he's going to follow along with Paul no matter what the cost is. Join this uh, missionary trip, this team. And, of course, this was the start of a lifelong friendship and a life-changing friendship that uh, he and Paul had. Very dear to Paul. Um, we're going to skip to verse 10 just for a moment because we're talking about some of the ones that God put together for Timothy. What a team. There you have Paul, Silas. Now Timothy has joined it. And then in verse 10, when he had seen the vision immediately, we... And that's what we're really emphasizing there. We, we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. We, um, Luke is the writer of Acts. We know that. This is where he joins the missionary journey here in 16. Now we'll see him throughout 16, and he'll put the word "we" in. We 
He's part of it. Before, it's it's been they. And, and in chapter 17, 18, and 19, you won't see anything about we. Luke is not in with them at that time. And then he'll join again in chapter 20, verse 5, all the way to the rest of the end of Acts. So when you see, as he's writing this historically and pinning all this down, uh, he was a part of it. Uh, most of the second half of the book of Acts with, with Paul. But uh, for a little while, he was not with them. And the reason is, is in chapter, uh, at the end of chapter 16, we see that he stays in Philippi and to shepherd the church there. So Luke is uh, quite a gifted man, a historian, one of the greatest historians that's been noted ever in the history of mankind. And uh, when, you, when you really think about that, God knows what He's doing when He's putting these men together. The Apostle Paul, Timothy, um, Silas, and here's Luke. God is uh, getting, it, uh, getting it all together here. Uh, for them to be able to continue on in a in a great way, but uh, this is not happening by chance. Yeah. All of these relationships that are coming together, these guys have a, a kindred spirit. They have one mind, one way of thinking, and that's why we need. Like Barnabas probably was a little bit older than Paul, or at least as old as him, but probably a little bit older. Uh, we need we need people like that. We need people that are older that have gone through experience. That um, that really helps. We need contemporaries, uh, Silas and 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 Luke um, that uh, Paul had. And then you have to have some young believers like Timothy to get. Uh, you know, I think there's a energy there that comes from somebody like uh, Timothy who's excited. So it takes all different kinds, different ages to be co-workers in the Lord. And so I'm privileged to be co-workers with you guys in whatever we do. We may not be side by side as we go out each day, but we we are we're praying for each other and we all are we're basically like-minded, you know? I mean, we have one savior and we have all of this in common and all for the cause of Christ. What a blessing it is. And, uh, of course, tonight, uh, all of us are over 50 years old, I think. So, we're, we're the older generation, but it's, it's nice to have some younger people. Nice to have some others that have been there. So, that's, that's what God does. He puts it together. It's, it's not by accident, and it's not anything that we put together at all. Uh, none of us grew up together with each other, did we? We came from different areas of the, the country, probably. And uh, it's just really interesting to see how God does that. Okay, number one. We've seen Timothy. We have seen Luke. It doesn't mention that, but uh, you'll see as we go on through that this, uh, when you see the we, uh, that's saying something. Um, matter of fact, in verse six, when you, when you in verse six, you'll see they pass through the Phrygian and Galatian region. That shows you that he's not with them at that time. Till finally he meets them at Mas- uh, the Macedonian uh, vision. So let's see. Um, I think we covered the first two verses, right? The son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Oh, he's a Greek. Then at the end of verse 3, they all knew that his father was a Greek. <laughs> you could read that in different ways. You go, wow, they're picking on the Greeks, aren't they? 
but uh, it, he he didn't really become a believer. But people knew of him. Okay, uh, verse three. Paul wanted this man to go with him. He took him, circumcised him, because the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. It's kind of interesting. Paul circumcises Timothy because of all the Jews that are in those parts. Now, this is interesting. As we've been studying Galatians, and as we've been studying um, Acts, and the, the, uh, the chapter 15 in Jerusalem, the Jerusalem Council, is dealing with circumcision. And here, it seems like Paul does something the very opposite of what he's been teaching and believing. He gets Timothy circumcised. But there's a really good reason for that. First of all, Timothy uh, does have Jewish in him, doesn't he? He's half Jewish. So he can be. Why not use that? And that, since people knew that his father was a Gentile, uh, if he's in that area, then they're not so likely to let him be a part of them. But if they know he's circumcised and he is Jewish, which he can be, it's like Paul. Paul was a Roman citizen, but he was Jewish. And he used both of those real well. Why not take advantage of it? So in this case, because Timothy is not necessarily a a Gentile like Titus was. Titus was like a a Gentile, and that issue came up. And, um, of course, that was the issue about being justified by grace through faith alone. And, um, And it was over the issue of keeping the law of Moses. And so it wouldn't have been good to compromise that situation, which it would have been uh, compromising, to circumcise Titus. But in this case, Timothy, it's a very good idea because it's neither here nor there. The circumcision isn't going to save you. But if that trips up people, it's not going to hurt to be circumcised. It's okay. So that's uh, that's the reason they would uh, they would do that. Why Paul... Uh, does uh, I think you could call that a matter of uh, expediency? You know, if it works. Yeah, he's not going to have a problem with it. And matter of fact, I'm sure Paul went through all of that with him anyway about grace, and um, this is a matter of being able to to use this. So you're saying if he would have been a Gentile, he wouldn't have done it. But since he is part Jew, he could justify right doing it as well as using it for their benefit. Yeah. So he can and so he can minister to Gentiles. He can minister to Jews, and then in those parts where he's at, they knew that uh, if his father's a, a Gentile, then that's going to cause a little stumbling block, and so that's why Paul is able to use that. Why not? Uh, no big issue there. But, uh, you don't want to get it confused with salvation, right. and that would have been the issue with with uh, others had they been Gentiles. Yeah, Paul. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20, Paul is talking about he's free. He's free in Christ. and But he wants to win people to Christ. So, he'll be a Jew to a Jew and a Gentile to a Gentile and still not giving in and, and giving up the gospel or anything. It's, it's to win people. It says in verse 20, To the Jews I became as a Jew, 
so that I might win Jews. So he speaks their language. He, you know, he understands. He knows about he's, where he says, to those who are under the law, Jews, as under the law, though not being myself under the law, so that I might win those who are under the law. <laughs> Good way to put it. To those who are without law, Gentiles, as without law, that's what I am, though not being without the law of God, <laughs> but under the law of Christ, why? So that I might win those who are without law. Gentiles. So he can do that. It's good. To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that I may by all means save some. I do all things for the sake of the gospel, so that I may become a fellow partaker of it. That means he, he never did compromise the gospel, but whatever he could use in the way of being able to get people's attention... He would go that way, and that's that's the way it is. We want to be winsome when we go to people that um, uh, maybe seem different or have a different culture. Of course, every culture is unique, uh, and it, so it's good to know a little bit about that culture if we can. Just being able to get on the angle of uh, where they're at, understand them, where they can understand us, and uh, of course, uh, I think. Whatever helps to identify with that person that you're dealing with, it's a common, there's a common, there's a common ground that you can bring up with them, so they know that you're just not some, you know. Yeah. Sure, you can you can get on the fact of uh, on Christ, uh, the Trinity. Um, then you can get into the Word of God. You can even use a a Catholic Bible, if because they may not be able to accept your Bible. Um, and matter of fact. Uh, it's, it's basically the same thing. They just have some notes down at the bottom that are wrong. <laughs> but the Scripture is basically the, the same thing. I know it's based off of Latin, but it, it's translation like what we have. And almost always, I mean, you're going to see uh, something like born again. You're going to see those terms, the same same kind of things there. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just being able to at least get them on your side and otherwise they'd totally turn you off. I think the Holy Spirit's Always giving us wisdom with with God's word to be able to uh, to use, and uh, right gives you a background, right? So, Holy Spirit, He's you know that anytime something is uh, like this, uh, we we know that He's always giving us wisdom, always imparting wisdom. So we go to number three. That's verse 4 and 5. Now, while they were passing through the cities, these are the cities where they'd been before, they were delivering the decrees which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe. So the churches were being strengthened in the faith, were increasing in number daily. They'd been to the Galatian region. That's really where they'd been on that first journey. Then they went uh, to Antioch, preached there for a while, went to the Jerusalem council, then got the decrees from what happened there, went back to Antioch, and actually they go to this missionary journey. And this is where they're at. And what the Sovereign Holy Spirit is going to do now is to encourage and strengthen those believers that were in the Galatian area from the first time. So it's not like, boom, one shot with them, you get them saved and move on. Uh, 
they're saved, but they still need to be built up and be be stronger. And that's what Paul and Barnabas had done when they went back through there when they went home the first time. So they have the decrees of the, the first church council. Probably most of them don't even know what's going on. But the people in Galatia really needed to know that news of what happened there because the Judaizers have already been there. And, that's, and we know that Paul has to... Uh, sit down and write a letter to the Galatians because he knows that the false teaching had just flooded in. He had been there once and guess what? Uh, got those guys coming in right behind him. And so the Jerusalem decrees weigh heavily um, on what the church believes about grace. And the Jerusalem decrees affirmed really two things. Salvation by grace through faith. Not keeping the law of Moses as far as the uh, ceremonial aspect but it's grace alone faith alone justified by faith right those doctrines are important and secondly they ask the Gentile believers if you remember to consider the Jew don't uh, be stumbling them up and don't engage in the things like sacrificing to uh, eating things sacrificed to idols uh, fornication eating meat with the blood strangled that kind of thing, uh, the, identifying with a pagan culture. And so they they tell that to these Galatian people in this region. And no problem. Matter of fact, they're strengthened. It says um, churches were being strengthened. They, they obeyed. The gospel is affirmed. They're saved by grace. And they're to walk in love. Uh, they have spiritual authority coming through here. The apostles and these godly men... So they just they submit to them. They willingly submit to what they know to be truth. And the decrees as far as what they were to do is really a matter of showing love, wasn't it? You know, don't be doing these four things here. <laughs> and it's to uh, avoid offending the Jews. And that the Jews would not be dividing from the Gentiles. And so they were to be together. So... He's, you have apostles apostles and elders who had been in Jerusalem. This is what's been decided on. This is the way the whole church believes. That was good. Strengthening the church. Uh, they want them to make sure that they have the gospel understood clearly. That's why the gospel needs to be preached all the time, every time. Because there's always something that comes up against the gospel. right? The gospel. So we want to keep... Uh, always preaching the gospel and we see these uh, Galatians those regions submitting to God's word submitting to what uh, what will make them strong and increasing in, in numbers so the sovereign Holy Spirit he's just leading as these men march on part four number four the sovereign spirit leads his workers to the right opportunities for ministry. Now this is a um, this is a strange thing. A lot of time, and I think it's a great lesson for us too, because there's a lot of times when we think God is pointing us one way, and He is, but to a certain point, and we think, okay, I'll keep going, and all of a sudden the door just gets slammed. Well, wasn't expecting this. Okay, well, what am I supposed to do now? We might go one way and a door stops there. And it just seems like the door just stops 
whatever direction that you go. <laughs> and that's what kind of happens here. And you say, what's going on? Well, the Holy Spirit's leading. It's not that he says, you can't do this, but it may be a, a matter of timing uh, for that particular that particular time. Uh, later on, it might be the thing to do. But anyway, um, it says in verse 6, they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. And after they came to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. And passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. That's the place they could go. <laughs> I mean, it's getting really tight and skinny here, you know. A vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia was standing and appealing to him and saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. The Macedonian call. This is about opportunities. But sometimes those opportunities, even though you have the right idea, doesn't go down the way that we'd think it would go down. Opportunities come to those, first of all, to the ones who are serving, that are wanting to serve, that they're, they're doing it right now. It's not the people that are just sitting and um, just doing nothing. Um, the Macedonian call came to people who were doing something, but nothing was happening. <laughs> but they were, they, were, they were serving. And I think um, it definitely wasn't a call to serve. They're doing that, but it was a clarification of direction in this ministry of where they were supposed to go next. You know, it's like people can uh, get in a car and turn the steering wheel all they want. They can go like this, but if that car isn't moving... It doesn't matter where you turn it. It's not going to do anything. <laughs> and so, um, a lot of times people will say, well, I'm t- I'll just sit and pray. And sometimes that's good. I mean, we are to wait upon the Lord. You know, not to rush and get ahead of Him. And that's the, that's the tricky part of it all, of trying to find what God's will because you can say, okay, I'm going to wait on the Lord. But if we don't do anything to check it out, then we may be sitting there ten years later. But so I think we got to take the opportunity that has been given and be moving that we know to, that would be right until the, a door shuts, and just uh, you know, of course, praying and waiting. But if we're serving Him, then we'll know where that next place is at when we get there. And uh, it's it's hard, it's tricky. We we don't know, and, and matter of fact, there is no set way that it's going to happen. And it might have happened for you one time and another time it's not the same way. And for somebody else it's something totally different. And uh, so it's like sometimes it seems like we're kind of walking in the dark but yet God has that light and He's ahead of us. Um, So He leads us into these uh, opportunities but sometimes He hinders us. He hinders us from the wrong path at that time. So they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region. Okay, been to Galatia. That's the second time they've been there. And they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. That's what they were thinking. 
let's go to Asia. That's And nothing wrong with that. Let's go to Asia after we're done here in Galatia. God puts up a wall. What's wrong with that area? Well, what's in that area? Ephesus, Smyrna, Philadelphia, Colossae, Thyatira, Pergamum, Laodicea. You ever heard of those places? (laughs) And of course, Paul was familiar with uh, some of those. Later on, he did visit these places, but not this time. They're forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go there. That's a province in western Turkey. So, you know, they're thinking that. And so they say, okay, we can't go there. Uh, Let's go north. Let's go to Bithynia. That's near the Black Sea. You know, getting up there around what? The Russian area. But this, and you know, you notice the Holy Spirit in verse 6 forbid them. In verse 7, it's the Spirit. It's the Spirit of Jesus this time. Jesus, the Holy Spirit, they're always going to give the right message. And so it's like he says, nope, you can't go here. Door's shut. So what's going on? Can't go to Asia. Can't go to Bithynia. We've been in Galatia. But later on, Paul and the missionaries actually go there. Look in 18, chapter 18, verse 19. They came to Ephesus. There we go. And he left them there. Now he himself entered the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. Uh, rest of its history. I just wanted to point out that um, he went to Ephesus. Uh, and that's that's in that area uh, of Asia there. Uh, and we know what a ministry there was at Ephesus. What a ministry. Paul pastored there. Um, Timothy pastored there. John pastored there. Others did uh, Aquila. No, uh, the um, Apollos, I think, pastored there, right? Think about that. That church was definitely ministered to, wasn't it? Those are giants of the faith. Uh, but there was a time where, when Paul was to go there, but at this particular time, no. Um, go to chapter 24. Well, tell you what. Might be 19. 1941. And is he... Yeah, that's at Ephesus. There was a riot there. And um, I think he finally left. He went to Greece. Yeah. So that's a few chapters on. Um, All we know, the Holy Spirit is absolutely sovereign over all His work. He stops these faithful men who are doing the ministry they should be doing and now they're at a quandary. They don't know what to do. Now, why would God do that? He, they're doing His work, and it's just like He's playing a game with them. Now, I put that in quotes. 
He's not playing a game with them. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's just like, sometimes He just wants us to wait on Him. You know, be still. And, you know, He's, he's going to direct. He's going to direct them into Europe first. That's interesting. They're heading to Europe. And it wasn't that He saw in the Europeans that they were more worthy than, than the Asians. That's not at all because... Nobody is more worthy than anybody else. Nobody's worthy, right? The gospel doesn't come to people based upon their merit. All of this is about a sovereign God. It's about sovereign grace, isn't it? It's based on God's sovereign, unmerited grace. That's He wants to do what He wants to do, and that's the way we want it, right? Even though sometimes it doesn't make sense, we could go this way because we're right here and this would be easy. And uh, he has his way of doing it that is absolutely perfect. Yeah. And he really wants to make us seek it out sometimes. You really want to learn something in Scripture, you really have to dig sometimes. You ever notice? Sometimes it takes a lot of work, but it's fun. It really is, but it's it's pretty laborious sometimes. Sometimes you have to search out words. What's the meaning of this word here? What's going on here? You have to dig out some commentaries or go on the Internet and start asking some questions. And and then all of a sudden you get enlightened on some issues and you go, wow. You know, it's, it's the light just turns on. It gets a little brighter. You know, it's exciting. And so it's it's all interesting as, as you see, as, as you look back on it now, you can see what he was doing. You go, oh, I'm glad God is looking down on this. He's already ordained the way that it's going to be, and this thing's going to be right, you know. But in the meantime, we're down here kind of bumping into walls and doors, and we don't know, you know, because we can't see. And there's where faith comes in. God is sovereign. We just trust in Him. I can't see how this is going to work. Um, I couple, find that so go ahead. Encouraging. Don't, don't you? Oh, yeah. The way he dealt with this, and the way that we can count on him to be faithful to direct our path when we're going along and we do the next thing like these men did uh, take a step of faith, believing that they're doing God's work, they'll go this direction, that God is faithful hmm. to redirect them. And I just I find that encourage. It takes some of the fearfulness out of, of stepping out in faith. He can manage that if you have if you have taken a turn that he wouldn't have had you take, and he doesn't get upset about it. You know, you're because he, he even knew you were going to do that, so he yeah. planned, he planned for that. Too. He says you can have it. He's faithful. You know. He's so good. Come out there on your own. Don't worry about. It. Don't worry about if you're going to go in this direction. I can move you over here. Like where in the Old Testament did it say, you know, if you take a turn to the left or the right, you'll you'll hear God say, no, walk this way. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's what He does with us, not just them, but but us. Very encouraging. Yeah, I think sometimes we think He set us aside and He hasn't. Yeah. He's just He's doing something with us, and it's more than what we can understand or see. Yeah. He's always doing that, isn't he? Even in the 
dry seasons. It seems like nothing's happened. Winter season, you know. But yeah. no, he's he's doing he's doing something. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's very encouraging. I, I read through here, and I'm going. Even the Apostle Paul didn't even know what was going on. What 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 should I do here? But it, and he could have said, well, I guess I'll just go back on home. <laughs> that would have been easy. But no, nah, God, you know, he, he ran into Timothy, and he's he's got Silas, and now you know he's he's got Luke. He just ran into Luke here. This there's another reason that drove him. I think that's a great reason, isn't it? That drove him to this area. All of a sudden, it was they in verse six, and they in verse seven, and they in verse eight. Um. And then in verse 10, there's your we. Luke joined him there. So, had they gone somewhere else, well, it just wouldn't have run into Luke. But that's a key thing there, you know, to, for that to happen. Well, how did the Holy Spirit forbid these men from going into these areas? You ever ask that a question? I don't think we're going to come up with an answer on it. But we might be able to help. Maybe it could have been different things. There could have been an audible voice from God. Why not? I mean, you know, He definitely could have done that. We don't know for sure. It could have been through circumstances. Usually that's the way it operates with with me. It's circumstances that come up and and different people that that help kind of lead into, oh, I never saw it that way. Thank you. You know, that's hopeful. It's more like a stream of water, right? Rocks and stuff. Could have been just a lack of inner peace. You ever had that? I just don't feel good about this. You know, it could be right, but it just doesn't seem right. I bet we've had those too, haven't we? Um, it doesn't say it. If somebody suggested, well. Paul possibly could have gotten ill again. Uh, I don't know if that would be it, but uh, we. Bottom line is we don't necessarily know for sure how the Spirit communicated. Uh, definitely with these apostles, they they definitely had some time where you know God talked to them. But I think sometimes He hinders in ways that just uh, straight talking to us and even through the Word of God isn't necessarily going to get through to us. <laughs> Different ways of hindering us. But um, it wasn't His will at that time. We know that. Second question is how these men know that the hindrances were from the Holy Spirit and not from Satan? <laughs> you know, we can easily blame it. Satan did that. And he very well could have. I mean, sometimes that's no doubt about it, but... Um, in 1 Thessalonians 2.18, Paul says that Satan had hindered him from visiting the Thessalonians. Now, there it was, Satan. But here it's the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of Jesus. And maybe, you know, God can use Satan to uh, be used in those situations. Well, like Job. You know, look at, look at God did His purpose through using Satan. And, but anyway, um, here's the Spirit of God hindering him. And God wants by them by faith to keep knocking until the closed doors are opened. Sometimes you do a good way of trusting is to make us wait for a while and be at a quandary. 
Other times, the closed doors are his way of saying no. And he just shuts the door. That's it. Don't you think, though, God granted Paul a degree of discernment that probably few other people have seen? I mean, Paul viewed everything through the lens of God's grace anyway. And to me... I mean, I'm thinking I wouldn't know the difference whether it was Satan or whether, you know, sometimes I, I make a decision on my own and then I go, well, I didn't really ask God about that, but if that's not what he wanted, I wouldn't have come up with that idea in the first place. And you rationalize things away. My degree of discernment is nowhere near what Paul's would have been in the first place. Right, and uh, of course he wrote Scripture. He was inspired yeah. by the Holy Spirit, so... Uh, that being that, he, he still wasn't being able to get on the, the complete inside until that, that happened. But yet at the same time, um, Luke is recording the Holy Spirit is, is doing this. And yeah, he, he definitely had that, that discernment and the leading there. Sure. Yeah, I think they, they probably came to an agreement that they... You ever been with other Christians and, you know, you could pretty, when something's going on and you can say, well, I think it's pretty well safe to say this is what's happening here and they'll all be shaking their head and saying the same thing. Um, but there's definitely the wisdom, the discernment to, to know the difference. We don't necessarily have formulas for figuring all this out. And this is the walking by faith, isn't it? It's walking in the Spirit and trusting. Yeah. And know that He's good. And He is faithful. Yeah. Then God leads us to the right opportunities. And it's most often kind of progressive manner. It isn't always just instantly. It's usually in a, in a progression. Paul was feeling his way through this area that he was going. And it was, it was really getting narrow where, where he is at because he was going... Uh, to Troas, if you have maps in your Bible, I wish I was. If I had uh, internet, I would have been able to draw that up. I think um, good old Bible maps uh, where he is. He comes to this one area. There wasn't any place else to go. It is. It's on the second missionary journey. Troas, it's... Um, do you see the Aegean Sea? You can pick up on the Mediterranean Sea probably, right? Oh, uh, north of that is the Aegean Sea. And yeah, you have you should be able to see um, Philippi and uh, Thessalonica and Neapolis. That is where they are going to go from Troas. And so they went to Troas. That was the only place they could go now. Uh, you can't go north. You, and that would have been like the Black Sea or back to, uh, over in the Asia area. Of course, they had been in Galatia, right? And then they went all the way. And you're right. It's, uh, they, they can't go into Ephesus. That's, that's like down south from there from Troas. And so what they're going to do now is head west and that goes to uh, Neapolis, Philippi, even Berea, Thessalonica, Mount Olympus. And they'll come on down and, of course, you'll see Athens and 
those are some pretty big areas that need to be reached. And this is the time that we want to get that. We'll come back later and get Ephesus and uh, some of the other places in Asia. That's the way that God wanted it. And so they kind of wiggled around there asking God what the plans are. And if you would ask Paul at that time, he probably would have said, I have no clue. <laughs> I don't really know right now. Um, you go to Troas, and now he's at Troas, and there's the water or as far as they could go. By the way, close to that area, how many have heard of Troy? You think of the great Greek uh, empire, and you think um, also of Homer, uh, his writings, Hippocrates, um, Thales, a philosopher. Very, very Greek. And that was all in that area is uh, where they're at there. Um, Francis and Edith Schaefer. A lot of you are probably familiar with Labrie in Switzerland. and They went there to do a ministry actually to children. And when they got there, it didn't really turn into what they were thinking, but they had their own children and they went to the university. Well, when it became vacation time, summer and such, uh, they'd bring some acquaintances or friends with them to stay there at Labrie, where um, Francis and Edith were at. So they were un- unsaved friends. And they'd have all sorts of questions. What a ministry that turned into at Labrie because um, many, many university students with many questions. This is back, I think, in the 70s. I believe. Uh, anyway, they started bringing these these kids, and all they just stayed and hung out there, and they were able to listen to to, to them. Francis Schaefer teach, and then tapes and uh, whatever they had uh, there for them, and um, that wasn't exactly what they had planned. But look what God had planned. So there was a great time of uh, Labrie ministry, how God's sovereign leading happened there. You know. Uh, Somebody had said, usually knowing God's will is like driving in the fog. God just gives us enough light to see the next few feet. You ever been in one of those kind of fogs? Or in a snowstorm. That's pretty timely for tonight, right? If you went up north. I was in, we were in Iowa. And, um, of course, anybody that knows snow up there, and of course, their roads are pretty well straight, and they'll have these corners, and they'll go just like that. And it was coming down so much you couldn't see but about five or ten feet in front of you. And we had to just keep on plugging. And it was just falling down more and more as at night time. Didn't know the road, but it was Highway 63. So we'd look for the sign. Every once in a while you'd see it's okay, we're, we're, we're not out in the cornfield yet. <laughs> and we just kept on trucking on through. Till... So bad when you see a sign, you had to stop and go out and scrape it off to see what it is. Yeah, that's right. Is it still 63? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but he just gives us enough light so that we can need to see where we need to be that we're moving ahead. He doesn't show us a year ahead of time what it's going to be, or even months ahead of time, or even the next day. You know, he gives us enough light for right now. That's what he likes to do. That's how he likes to lead us. He does the same thing with Paul. He gives a general thing to something, but you can think that you're in for something and that leads 
But you assume upon him? Yep. But then that's not really where he wants to take you. But you assume that, you know, for a while, for a season. Then we can thank him where he wound up taking us, which was a lot better anyway. Um, when God reveals His will to us, we uh, also want to make sure that it is from the Lord and then be quick to obey. In uh, verse 10, we, we know he, uh, there's a vision that appears to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. When he had seen the vision... Immediately, we sought to go into Macedonia. There's obedience. He knows, okay, this is it. This is what we're supposed to do. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. This is it. This is where why He led us to where it was at. This Troas. Why here? There's no place else to go. Boom. Yeah, there was. Um, Europe, Philippi, Corinth, Athens... Pretty good places to be uh, going to, too. And um, God opens the door just whenever we think that it's closed. And so we're to persist in uh, trying to open doors or what God is going to open. And uh, when we see the door slam, well, don't give up. Just keep moving. Move somewhere. And so they conclude. They discuss the meaning of this Paul's vision, they know it's it's time to go. They come together. They did it immediately. And this is what God wants. So they went down to the harbor, bought their tickets, got on the boat, and moved on. Does God direct us through visions in our day? Well, He can. And He can do it. He does do it. We, wanna, we don't want to live our whole life... Um, but living on visions because for the most part he says we live by faith and not by sight. But he is he is gentle, he is really good in doing that. A lot most of the time it's through a lot of different circumstances and different ways we go and we get to know him. But you know, he uh, he's a God of uh many colors, different ways to operate, different people, different ways. So there's I think there's a balance there that uh some people, that's what they, they live for. And you get all sorts of crazy visions. Benny Hinn told a, an audience one time that the Lord had revealed to him that thousands of people from all over the world would be raised from the dead on his TV show. And all they had to do is put their caskets in front of their TV sets attuned to that station. And uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, he said some other other things that the Lord told him and all sorts of crazy... That was Benny Hinn. You know, he's done some... You know, that's, you know there's, there's a balance we have to be really careful with. We're not to quench the Spirit. And at the same time, what was it? First Thessalonians chapter 5, right near the end there. Don't quench the Spirit, but also examine everything carefully. Yeah. Five nineteen to twenty one. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophetic utterances, but examine everything carefully. Hold fast to that which is good, abstain from every form of evil.
So if we know that's anything that's going against God's word, we know immediately, okay, this is this is not from God. <laughs> you know, this is from Satan, right? This is not from the Holy Spirit. So anyway, they they um, they could have plowed right on ahead and done what they wanted to do, but look what uh, they did. They they waited for the Lord as they kept seeking, and when we obey, um, things turn out for uh, God's glory. And we know as they go into Philippi, and this is where we'll take it in next week, you have um, you have a convert there, uh, ladies gathering by a river, and Lydia happens to be one there who becomes a believer in the church, that that will later become a church there in Philippi. They meet at her home. And then there is the demon-possessed slave girl, probably became a Christian. I don't know for sure, but that seems like that could have been it. And But her conversion landed Paul and Silas in jail. <laughs> but we know as a result of that, uh, the jailer becomes a believer in his whole household. So there's obedience. And you can say, well, this surely can't be God's will because... He winds up being put into jail for delivering the demon out of the young girl. And there you are in jail. <laughs> God's will. He used that. Wow. And the greatest help that we can give to people is the gospel. Remember the Macedonian and that, uh, that vision? A man of Macedonia was standing, appealing to him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. What's the thing they're going to be using? The Word of God. That's the best help we can have. Paul went, gave him the best help that he could. Remember the uh, to the Philippian jailer who said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So that's the most helpful message that we can give to anyone. Eternal life. God gives them that, but we have the Word to give them. It's the most helpful thing that we can have. Help me, help me, right? Wouldn't you love to hear somebody say, help me? Two two different ways. Anyway, again, we see the Holy Spirit working. And I'll tell you, as Janice shared there, that is really, it's so encouraging, it's so helpful, it's so practical, isn't it? This is not just history here, even though it did, and this is how the church got built up, but this is for us today. You guys encouraged by a faithful God who is leading and directing? Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your Holy Spirit. Thank You for the direction that You give us. Sometimes we don't know where we're going, where we're headed, where we're supposed to go. But uh, we're thankful that You are getting us there. And help us just uh, be alert, attentive, to be watchful, Lord, help us at the, at the same time as we're going that uh, we can be helpful to others as the Macedonian called out. Come over and help us. Um, whether it be by our hands, whether it be by our mouth, uh, however it be, that uh, we can be serving You by serving others and uh, we depend on Your Spirit to give us that direction and the strength. Thank you for this encouragement this word gives us tonight and we give you glory. Amen.